Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. Good morning. Welcome back to all you who are traveling last week for uh, spring break. And also welcome back to all you who just decided to sleep in because it was time change Sunday. We're glad you repented and came back this week. (laughs) Just kidding, sort of. All right, well, we're going to continue in our series about who is God, and obviously there are a lot of unanswerable questions there, and today we're going to talk about God's will and our will. And um, if I spent every day for the rest of my life trying to understand and trying to preach about this subject, I would never get to the end of it. And if I preached just what I know, I'd probably done pretty quick, because there are a lot of things that are mysteries that we just don't know and we can't know. But we're going to try to look at a, a couple of areas where those things intersect and how they affect us and, and what our responsibility is versus what God does. And you'll hear terms um, when you're talking about God, like God is sovereign, God is all-knowing, all those different things. They're all true. And then there's that idea about, well, what a when God decides that he wants something or God wills something, how could anyone resist? So how can we have a choice in life? But we're going to look at how God graciously gives us choices, and then we're going to look at some things that we don't have a choice. And some of those are God's gift to us. And so we're going to start out, I'm going to read two passages. One is in Colossians uh, chapter 1, and that's almost all the way to the right of your Bible. And the other one is Deuteronomy chapter 30, and that's nearly all the way to the left of your Bible. So um, we're going to put those on the screen so you can see them. But uh, the first one is about really God's authority over everything, and that he is sovereign, that he is in control, and Jesus uh, is over all things. And the second one is about when God specifically tells us to choose. And so we're going to go through that right now. If you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And now we're going to read in Deuteronomy chapter 30, where God is speaking to his people. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, we have these two pictures about the power and the will of God. And whatever God wills, is inevitable. There is no uh, changing it. There's no stopping it. 
Um, scripture's clear about that. We see his power displayed from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation and in all the earth around us. In Genesis, God created the heavens, created the earth, created the oceans, created all the animals, all the fish of the sea. He did all that in six days by declaring that it would be so. And there was nothing to stop his will. When he willed it, it was. When he spoke it, it became. And that is a, an authority and a power that is really beyond, in a lot of ways, our ability to comprehend it. And in, in the midst of that, God also created us. And from the very beginning, he gave man a choice. He said, look, you have all these, all this food is here. It's easy. You can just pick it off the trees. There's no effort that goes into it. You don't have to weed the garden. You don't have to protect it. You don't have to spray pesticide. It's all right there for you. Just don't eat from that one tree. And, you know, if you are if a thinking person at all, you have to wonder, why would God put that tree in there? Why not just give them all that and not give them a choice? I mean, a lot of us would probably say, man, we'd be much better off. And yet that's not how God operates. God is a, uh, a powerful, unbelievably powerful God. And yet when he created man from the very beginning, he gave us a choice. And so what happens when our choice conflicts with God's will or what God wills? Well, we want to look at that today. And in Deuteronomy, he gives us a, a picture of this choice. And there are a couple of things that really stand out to me about those verses in Deuteronomy. He says, look, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. And then he tells us what he wants. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. And then there's a verse there that's really important. It says, this is the key to your life. And I think we can all recognize that the choices that we make in life have a lot of impact. And you know what? Sometimes even the choices that we make in the moment, we don't think they're that big a deal. And then looking back, we realize it was a pivotal moment. And then sometimes we think, man, this is a really big deal. And looking back, we realize it really wasn't that big a deal at all. And so we don't always know when we're making those choices, when it is a, a choice that's going to have far-reaching implications. And so what do most of us want? We want to know what God wants for us. But there are some things in life that we don't have a choice about. You know, the Scripture tells us um, we don't have a choice about the day we're going to die. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, all our days were numbered before we had as yet one of them. David tells us that. And so, you know, all this fear about death and dying and what could happen to this, what could happen to that, are, are really just a waste of time. You know, when we, looking back now, and I don't want to get into conspiracy theories and all that, but, you know, COVID should have proven that to us. I mean, every week it was something new coming out about, well, if you do this, then you won't have to worry about getting sick. If you wear this mask, if you take this, if you do that, I mean, are you kidding? This was the most sterilized nation in the world for a while. I mean, people were sterilizing everything that came in their home from the grocery store. I didn't even know what Listerine tasted like until COVID. 
That's some nasty stuff right there. Whoever invented that, I just don't know about them. Because that's, that stuff's disgusting. Well, if you do that, you gargle when you come in, and you won't give it to anybody. I mean, and we find out all that stuff was a crock. None of it mattered. None of it stopped anything. None of it made it any better. And there's certain things that we think we have control over, that we think we have a choice over, that we don't. And so we need to understand there are things in life that we don't get to choose. You know, we don't get to choose what day that the Lord is coming from us. But we know this. The Bible says that the death of one of his uh, saints is precious in God's eyes. And so when God chooses to bring someone home, there are a lot of reasons for that, some of which we may not understand here on this earth. And there are certain things that when God wills it, it is, it is, whether we want it to be that way or not. Job 42, 1 through 2, after everything that Job went through, he stands before God and, and the, the reckoning is occurring. And one of the things that Job says to God is, is, Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. No one can stop you. And so Job is recognizing, you know what? I, I understand now because the whole argument with his friends was about whose fault is it that you're suffering all these things? And you know what Job came up with? I get it. There are things that God can do and no one can stop them. And I don't really have a choice sometimes over the things that happen to me in life. Some of those things come, and I wish they hadn't, and I'm like, well, who's to blame for this? And sometimes the answer is nobody. Sometimes things happen, and we won't understand why here on this earth. And Job got to that point. He says, I know you can do anything, and no one can stop you. Psalm 115.3, you know, this verse, a guy named Dawson Trotman started an organization called Navigators. And it's, when I was younger, it had a lot of impact on me by the, some of the Bible studies they wrote and some of the things that they did. And um, I don't, I guess they're still out there today. I don't really know, but um, there were a lot of my friends in, in the faith that had been highly impacted by this ministry. And it was started by this guy. And one day he was out and wasn't, wasn't an old man at all. And uh, they were out swimming and, and uh, skiing, and, and he died. He, he drowned in the, in the lake. And they came and told his wife. And his, her only response was, Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heaven, and he does as he wishes, or he does whatever pleases him. And you know what? That sounds kind of fatalistic, but it's really not. What it is is saying, you know what? There are things that are out of my control but if it pleases God, it's good, even if I can't see it. Because whatever pleases him is good. And so sometimes we experience loss here on this earth, and all we see is how it affects us and the grief that we feel and the loss that we feel. But you know what? When God makes a decision, it's good. And he is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. Proverbs nineteen twenty one. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You know, we decide this and we decide that and we, we choose this and we choose that. And there's comfort in that. That, you know what, I, I've known people and, I, and I've done it myself. Man, what if, I, what if I mess up something? What if I, I'm trying to do what's right? I'm trying to follow you, God. But what if I miss it? 
You know, what if, like in the movies, you know, you walk right by the person you're supposed to marry and something was supposed to happen and it doesn't happen because you made a choice and you never meet them. I mean, how does that, what, what happens? Well, you know what? The Bible says even, even though our plans may be this way or we think this way, that God's purpose prevails, that God can overcome our mistakes and that we don't have to worry about Man, if I don't do this, then, you know, God's going up there. Oh, man, that's too bad for you. Your whole, my whole will's rent for you. Ain't nothing else. That's not the way it works because God can overcome all things, even when we blow it. It says in Romans 8, 28, he works all things to good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean all things are good. It says he works all things to good. Because that's the kind of God that he is. Jesus told his disciples, hey, you're, I told you something and you sound, you're acting like this is impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's impossible. Anything can happen. And here's the part that's amazing is that in all that is that God could have made us to be puppets. He could have just not put a tree in there that they weren't allowed to eat from. But God wants us to choose, and he gives us a choice. One of those decisions is in whether we're going to be obedient, what we're going to do in life. Just like in Deuteronomy, it says, choose this day. Choose today. Joshua said to his people, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We get to make a choice. And not only that, we get to choose what we believe about God. Romans 10, 11 through 13, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jews and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know what we know? Not everybody calls on the name of the Lord. And sometimes the people that don't are who we'd go, man, they seem like good people. How is it that good people well, everybody gets a choice, and you get to choose whether you call on the name of the Lord or not. In Revelation 22, there's a, a, a kind of a wrap-up, and it's the last thing about make sure you tell the churches this, tell the churches this. And in Revelation 22:17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink come freely from the water of life. See, it's who desires, whoever chooses, whoever wants, they can come. We get to choose. You get to choose whether you come to Jesus or not. You get to choose whether you believe. And one of the things about that is the moment you choose to believe in Jesus, that decision is permanent because God said so. Because God is the one who does the work of salvation. God's the one who saves you. And what God wills can't be undone. And his will is that if you believe in his son, you will not perish but have everlasting life. And so you can't undo the will of God once you've chosen to believe. Now, on the other side of that, there's a limited amount of time. There's until that day where it was appointed for man to die. <clears throat> Each one of us has a day. And when that day comes, if we've chosen not to trust Jesus, that becomes permanent at that moment. That becomes our choice. And it's, it's done. 
So God's will, God wills that everyone would come to know Jesus. He says, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. His will is that we obey him. His will is that we believe Jesus. But in that place, we, ha we get to choose. Whether you're going to obey, every day you get a chance to obey or not obey God. And you get a chance, you get to choose whether or not you're going to follow God's will. And you know what? Jesus came to a place where his will and God's will were not lining up. Did you know that? In the Garden of Eden, Jesus said, I, I wish, is there any way this cup might pass from me? If I had the choice about being beaten, whipped, mocked, spat upon, and crucified, and dying an agonizing death while you pour out your wrath on me, I'd choose not to do that. That'd be my choice. But then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And see, there are times where our will and God's will don't match. Now, there's times when they do. You know, if we're like, man, I, I, God, I really want you to help me find that person I'm supposed to marry. Lord, I want to find this job where I can serve you. God, I want to be able to do this. A lot of times our will matches up with God's will. And sometimes we have, you know, two good choices, you know, whether it comes to jobs or, or maybe we've, you know, we're, we're in a place where there are different opportunities about who to date or who to pursue. And we just want to know, God, which one is the right one? Which one do you want for me? And that's pretty easy because our, our will's lined up with God's. We just want to know. But you know what? Then there's times where God says, okay, you want to pursue someone of the opposite sex? Here's how you do it, and here's how you don't. And we're like, oh, well, God, well, hold on. That's not the way everybody else does it. And you know what? Some of the things they say make sense, and some of the things... You say don't make sense, and I don't really want to do them. That's when obedience really matters. You get that, right? Obeying God's will when it's what we want, and we're just trying to figure out what he's telling us. We want to make the right decision. That's easy. But when it comes down and God's will says don't do this, and we want to do it, are we going to be obedient or not? You know what the Scripture says? that Jesus was obedient even to death on a cross. And that's where our salvation comes from. It comes from Jesus' obedience to dying on a cross. Not my will, but your will be done. You know, we sang earlier about I surrender. I surrender all. And too many of us, too many believers, they want to know God's will when it's an answer they want to hear. But they don't want to know God's will when it might affect what they want. And that's not obedience. And that's not surrender. That's trying to bend God's will to our will. Now, here's the part of that that are difficult. Is that, you know what? God is merciful and he's good to us. But there are always, even in that passage in Deuteronomy, and any time where God says there's a choice, there's also a consequence. There are consequences, good and bad. He said, look, I'm going to put before you two choices, life and death, blessings and curses. 
you choose. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says, Do not, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. In other words, you will always reap what you sow. And when you sow disobedience and you sow sin, there are consequences that come as a result of that. And you know what? There's times where we're like, this consequence doesn't seem fair to me. It seems like a lot worse than the decision I made. God, why, why didn't you stop this? God, I, I saw somebody and they made a decision and yeah, it was dumb and they shouldn't have done it, but it wrecked their whole life. Why was it so serious? God, why didn't you stop that? See, here's one of the deals. You get to choose whether you're going to be obedient, but you don't get to choose your own consequences. They're going to come. You know, when David chose to sin with Bathsheba, he had no idea that that one decision was going to set in motion not only him doing things he never thought he'd do, but an entire lifetime of conflict in his own family. You know, there's all kinds of debate, and there's really no answer, and there's no way of knowing about whether or not Bathsheba came when David called her because she wanted to or because she didn't have a choice. Nobody really knows. But that's the facts of it. And then when David did repent, when he was called out on it, he repented. Now, he didn't do it on his own. He, he called out when he was confronted with his own sin. And one of the things God said is that as a result of this, the sword will never leave your house. And you know, there, there are natural consequences that come to us. You know what? When we're dealing with our own kids or with people around us, the sins that we struggle with, we tend to be a little easier. We either tend to be easier or a lot harsher. Both, both things cause consequences. But we tend to see things differently. And so later on, David's one of David's sons had a an overwhelming desire for a half sister, and he tricked her into the coming to his room, and he assaulted her. And when David found out about it, you know it had to have gone through his mind that gosh, that's that's nearly identical to what I did. And you know what? He didn't discipline his son like he should have. He tried to just wipe over it. Tell her not to take it to heart. It'll be okay. Whereas if, if he was acting as he should have, he should have disciplined his son. But he didn't. But see, his daughter had a brother. And he became very resentful that his half-brother had gotten away with this without any kind of punishment, without any kind of repercussions. And so he waited and he allowed that anger to grow in his heart. And there came a day when he killed his half-brother. And then he was banished from his father's presence for a while. And then he was allowed back in. But you know what? It didn't fix what was messed up. And so this son started currying rebellion amongst the people and eventually led an army. His father had to flee his own castle, his own palace in Jerusalem and go on the run out in the wilderness 
And it caused a conflict between his army and his son's army. And his son was eventually killed. All that as a result of his own sin. And see, that's the thing is sometimes the consequences come fast. Sometimes they come slow. And sometimes we don't even recognize them. God told him ahead of time this was going to happen. So he knew. There are consequences that come when we choose to disobey God, when we choose against his will. Now, if you're in one of those situations now, let me tell you what your best option is, is to repent right now. Is to repent right now. You know, there's this, there's this idea that you can fix it. Well, I, you know, I, I need to do this, we need to do that. Let me tell you how you fix it. It's by going to God and, and asking forgiveness and repenting. You know what repent means? Change it right now. Fix it right now. Well, it's complicated. No, it's not. You're either going, you're either going to continue to rebel against God or you're going to choose not to. And understand something. There are going to be consequences. But by choosing to repent right now, you can mitigate some of the consequences that are going to come as a result of continuing to be disobedient to God. But if you continue to be disobedient, don't think you're going to escape those. Now, you know what? Most of us, we know, well, they did it wrong. And look at their, I mean, everything's good for them now. Let me tell you something. You don't know what's, what all is going on behind the scenes. And you know what? Maybe God sometimes is merciful. And there, there are plenty of times when God hadn't given me what I deserved. And I bet you could say the same thing. But that's because God is merciful. But mercy is something that can't be asked for. It has to be given. And so if you're counting on God's mercy to mitigate whatever consequences are coming as a result of your actions right now, good luck. God will always love you. But let me tell you something. I've been under the hand of discipline that comes from God when I had a heart that was out of order or something else. And it is not pleasant and it is not fun. And there was no doubt of whose thumb was on me. And there was no doubt about when he took it off. It came after many days of praying and saying, God, I blew it. I messed up. Please forgive me. And it's probably not anything you're imagining right now. So don't even worry about it. I ain't sitting here trying to imagine what y'all sins are. I don't have to because most of you got Facebook accounts. <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't help myself right there. Sorry about that. But look, here's the deal. You don't want to be under the, the hand of discipline. God's not going to punish you, but he's not going to stop consequences from coming. And he may discipline you. And that's not pleasant. In some ways, it's worse than consequences of your own actions. With choices come consequences. Now, there's good to that, too. Because he didn't just say there are going to be curses. He said there's blessings, too. If you choose life, if you choose to be obedient, if you choose to follow the ways of God, there are blessings that come as a result of that, too. 
There are blessings that are waiting for your obedience. Well, I mean, maybe God was, I, I don't know. But here's what I do know is that God's word tells us clearly that blessings follow obedience and that curses and consequences follow disobedience. And you get to choose. Nobody's going to make you. God's not even going to make you. He may discipline you, but he's not going to make you. And you know what? Ultimately, all of the loss that we experience in life is a result of the consequences of sin. Every single thing. Every disease is because of sin. Before sin, there was no disease. Every hurt that you feel in your heart about something that happened in life, or maybe it's because of a choice you made and it's still hurting you, and it's still causing damage. The hurts that we feel are because of our sins or because of somebody else's. Sicknesses that we get, hey, you know what? There's things that say in the Scripture, it may be because of our sin, but it's always because of somebody's sin. Because if there wasn't sin, there wouldn't be cancer, there wouldn't be sickness, there wouldn't be disease, there wouldn't be any of those things. They're all in the world because of sin. And we're all going to suffer from that. Everybody in here has suffered loss. Now, maybe it's a loss because of the actions of someone else. Maybe it's lost because of our actions. Maybe it's a combination. Maybe it's lost that we have no idea why. But it still hurts. You know, my mother-in-law died a few years ago from lung cancer. Never smoked a cigarette in a day in her life. Up until, up until she got that, she, she was the healthiest of all of Carrie and I's parents. And man, you talk about loving Jesus. She loved Jesus like nobody else. And so we all ask those questions. When something like that happens, you're like, why her? And here's what you have to do. You have to trust that God knows what he's doing and that whatever he's doing is good. And that his, her death was not a surprise to him, just like your loss wasn't. And there's, there's a greater truth beyond those things. Is there are things that God chooses that we can't do anything about, and then there are choices that we make, that we, we can control. But here's one of the, the best, some of the best news, is that God promises restoration. Not just, hey, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it where that doesn't hurt. God's going to restore what was lost, what was sacrificed, what was taken away because of sin or what, what happened to us as a result of our sin or somebody else's. Deuteronomy 30, 2 through 5. And this is another reason to repent now instead of waiting. If at that time you and your children return to the Lord your God, and if you obey with all your heart and all your soul and all the commands I've given you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. He will return to you that which was taken away, that which was lost because of their own actions. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where he has scattered you. Isaiah 65, 25. You know, you ever wondered... What about, 
you, you ever met another Christian and you know they're a Christian and they know you're a Christian, but you just don't get along with them. I mean, at all. And you know someday you're going to be together up in heaven, but you're like, well, man, let's, I hope they're on the other side of the mansion because I just don't know if we can exist together in that place. Or maybe you even got hurt by somebody that's a Christian. You know they're a believer, but, man, they hurt you. And you're like, I don't know how that can work. Now, God tells us to forgive people, but you know what Also, what else he says? Isaiah 65, 25, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. You know what that says? Is that relationships are going to be restored to the way they were supposed to be. You see, when man walked the earth in the beginning, he could walk among the lions or wolves or whatever else was there at the time without fear because no blood had been shed. And there was nothing to fear. The relationship between man and the animals was the way it was meant to be. And at some point, God is going to restore even those relationships that have caused us the most pain or that we have caused the most pain to them. I love that. The Lord will restore your fortunes and return the land to you. What was yours? The lion will eat like a hay like a cow because there'll be no shedding of blood. There'll be no one that gets hurt anymore. And then ultimately, Revelation 21 speaks of it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. You know, the, the earth we live on now, there's death. Uh, you can't walk up to a lion out in the wild. I wouldn't suggest it. You might get eaten. There's all kinds of things that are, that are happening that, that, that are dangerous in the world because of our sin, because of man's sin. There are diseases. There are things you shouldn't drink from. You know, you hear it all the time. Somebody got sick from swimming because it got into a cut and it caused a, a bacterial infection. There's all kinds of stuff. All that will be gone. You see, the earth is not falling apart because we drive cars. It's falling apart because of man's sin. There are all these things out there that can kill you and that aren't the way they're supposed to be because of sin. But then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. There's going to be restoration back to the way it was meant to be. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, fully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Because see, that's the way it was in the Garden of Eden is that in the cool of the evening, man would walk with God in the garden and have fellowship with him. And there was no fear and there was no shame and there was no guilt because there was no sin. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. See, so, many of the, so much of the pain and the sorrow we have comes from things that have happened in the past. But all things are going to be restored to the way they were meant 
to be. All these things, it says, are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. Then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. So write this down. Those things we've lost are going to be restored. And then in Revelation 21.8, because here's the, the greatest area of trust and the greatest area where God's will and our will cross is that God's will for us is that we come to know Jesus. But we have to choose. And in the end, God chose to create man and woman in his image. And he chose to give them a will and he chose to give them an opportunity to choose him for themselves. And he will respect your choice because he gave it to you. So if you choose Jesus, you're his forever. But if you choose to not believe, to not take the free gift of salvation that he's given you, then that's your choice too. Revelations 21.8, right after all those verses about restoration and victory, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And so God gave you a choice. He revealed his son to you. You know, interestingly enough, because none of us know the day. We don't know the day or the hour when Jesus is coming back. And none of us know the day or the hour when it's our turn, when our day is up. The scripture never says, hey, next month is the time of salvation. It never says, hey, next year is the year of salvation. It never even says tomorrow is the day of salvation. Every single time it says today is the day of salvation. Because right now in this moment is the only moment that you are guaranteed to have a choice. This one right here. You may have hundreds more. I don't know. You may have 50. You may have one. This might be it. None of us know. And it's your choice. What will you do with Jesus? And so we want to give you the opportunity to make that choice today. I want to encourage all believers, look, examine your lives. Am I being obedient? The choice is yours today too. Choose this day. Life or death, blessings or curses. You, get to, you make that choice every day, whether you're going to follow God or you're not. That's a choice that he gives to you. What you don't get to choose are what are the consequences of those choices. Now, for those who do not have a relationship with Jesus, here's your choice. You can accept the free gift of eternal life that comes through Christ, or you can say no. Totally up to you. But if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that they will not be held in account against you, if you'd like to know that you are in right relationship with God, if you'd like to know that you, you have chosen life and blessings over curses and death, and if you'd like to know that that's forever, even in heaven with him, we want to give you the opportunity to do that. 
So I'm going to ask that everyone here would bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to lead you in a simple prayer of salvation. And it is simple because Jesus already did all the work. God did the work of saving. All we have to do is choose to accept that gift. And so if you'd like to do that today, you pray this with me. I'll do it in short spurts. You can pray it after me or pray it in your own words, but pray it with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. I'm turning away from my sins and turning to you and asking forgiveness. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day, according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior. And I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want you to know your sins are forgiven. You are now God's son or his daughter. And that is forever. Because God wills it to be so. Here's what I want to ask you to do. You know, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything in front of the people here. But here's what I want to do because I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, I want you to look up at me right now. Don't hesitate. Look up at me right now. Okay? All right? Okay. See you. All right. Okay. I got you. Okay. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I want to encourage you to tell someone. And you can tell someone today if you like. If you're a child, tell your parents. Have them call up here and, and tell them you want to talk to a, a children's minister, that you want someone to talk to your child about salvation, and they'd love to get with you and explain things to them and make sure they understand the decision they're making and also talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. John will be here at the front if you'd rather talk to somebody today. We have people that would love to talk to you. So as soon as the service is over, he'll pray to dismiss us in a few moments. And you just come down to him and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. And I'd like to talk to somebody. And we'd love to do that. Or if you don't have time today, maybe you're with somebody and you got to go, they're leaving. That's fine. There's a number on the screen. You can text SAVE to that number. And we'll text you back and set up a time whether in person or on the phone, and answer any questions you have and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We're not going to ask you for anything. We don't want anything from you. You're welcome to come back here, but if you don't, that's fine too. We just want to help you and want to make sure you understand and, and have a clear idea about what to do next. There's also a QR code up there and on your uh, bulletin, you can open it by that. We'd love to hear from you. And we love to help. That's one of the things we love doing. And it's important that you tell someone. Right now, I want to pray over you and ask for God to continue showing himself to you. And I want to thank him for saving me and for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. And I pray for those that made a decision today to trust you. And Father, it is always a miracle 
when someone comes to know you. And thank you, God, for making that real. Thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for being obedient, even to death on a cross, so that we might be saved. And so that we might have the promise of a relationship with you now and restoration forever. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be a part of this day. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.